They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So I'm there with Jimmy, of course, and I go arse over tit. And like some Jedi, he extracts the treble from my eyeball just with the power of his mind. It was a... Oh, oh. What's going on? Smith. Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, quick, quick hurry up. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day again, fishos, and welcome to Tales from the Tinny on this Friday afternoon or Saturday morning or whenever it is through the week or out on the water that you might be listening via the Tales from the Tinny podcast. You can get it up here on the ABC uh, Listen app. You can get it up here via the, uh, the app that might already be on your phone or whatever your preferred podcast provider might be. It's Tim and Andy with you again. How are you, Andy? I'm great, Tim. How are you, mate? Yeah, pretty well. Pretty well. Looking forward to the weekend. I bet you are. I am too, actually. Remember at school when you used to be able to buy mixed lollies? It was like a 20-cent bag of mixed lollies. Good times. The local local delicatessen, although you don't call them a deli in Darwin. No. Uh, You don't call them a milk bar. You, you just call them the corner shop, do you? Yeah. The corner grog shop? Yeah. I don't know. I've never settled that. Anyway, they, they still do it. It reminds me of when I was eight. A little bag with the raspberries and the milk bottles That's and right. the pineapples. That's yeah. what you're talking about? And occasionally the set of teeth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except, that... except now it's like $9.50 I was for about a bag. to say, <laughs> inflation has really bumped that out of my budget. Indeed. <laughs> Anyway, look, today's show is one of those, Tim, regardless of what the price is. It is a mixed bag full, well, of, it's free. full, full of goodness and sweetness. <laughs> it is free. Uh, <laughs> it a, free a free bag of mixed lollies. Amongst that goodness, um, a 17-year-old's road to recovery after a shark attack that listeners might remember occurred in Nullumboy about 10 months ago. He opens up uh, to us for a bit of reflection. The only thing I'd get from it is dive with someone else. It was by myself. It was, I don't know, it was a bit of an easy target up against six or seven sharks. <laughs> Yes, indeed, he was. We'll hear more about that later on the show. One of our church members also is about to make a one-month pilgrimage, actually in search, Tim, of the MDF, or even a $10,000 fish. I've spent a bit of coin getting the car and boat ready, so even if I get one of those uh, $10,000 fish, would go a long way to paying for it all. And in very exciting news, Tim, our very own Beard was granted rights to join the MDF's key baratag on the water. This was exciting. Yeah, and you know where he went? He went to... Undisclosed location. Undisclosed location. That's annoying. <laughs> well, they were under huge pressure though because there was only one more MDF tag to get in on the weekend when Beard went before the comp started. That's right. So the, pretty much the success of the entire competition, uh, the hopes and dreams of the entire church of the Tinny uh, were resting on Beard's shoulders. God knows why they picked him. Hopefully it was a success. Well, and you will hear. You will. You'll find out. That's the beautiful part. There's no secrets on the tinny. <laughs> and it's free. And it's free. And it's free. Of course, the Ayatollah's return from chasing black bass across PNG. Neville, the drunken albatross, he's still in rehab. He certainly is, and we're still getting complaints about the non-delivery of stickers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's an action down there at Dundee, too, cleaning up the boat ramp. Uh, and our shelves are stocked, Tim. Stocked. My desk is piled up like dozens of phone books with the TFT piscatorial prenuptial agreements for distribution right across the Territory. Yeah, they've been run out to a couple of the tackle shops so far and coming to a tackle shop uh, near you, if you're coming up to the Territory for the Million Dollar Fish, your charter guide should have with them a TFT PPA. Uh, If they don't, you ask why not. Uh, And we'll tell you more about that if if you need one. Uh, just, just for you, you and your deckies we uh, will. throughout the tinny. Professional services, just another part of this mixed bag of lollies today. So, uh, yeah, folks, grab yourself a dumpling and a cold one, strap on your gimbal as we mount the aluminium love chariot yet again on Tales from the Tinny. Mm-hmm. 
That's what happens when you're born in 1996. You don't know how to use a fishing rod. Since then, I haven't moved. I've wrapped myself in cotton wool <laughs> and I'm too scared to do or go anywhere. Tales from the Tinny. The Ayatollah of the DKVR, the Darwin, Catherine, Daly and Vic River District is back. Warren DeWitt from uh, Papua New Guinea, Chasing Black Bass. How are you, mate? Welcome home. Uh, yeah, good, Tim. Good to be back. How'd it go? Yeah, it was great, actually. It was uh, a tremendous experience. Um, we didn't catch as many fish as maybe we were thinking we were going to catch, but it certainly was good fun. We, um, The group that I was with, we got eight fish over 30-pound black bass, um, which was quite good, um, but we didn't get large numbers. I think we got 78 black bass altogether. We had a bit of rain, which sort of dampened things down a little bit with the colder weather and, and the rain dropped the water temperature in a couple of days there. The fishing got a fairly fairly tough. So as usual, you know, the weather plays a part no matter where you go anywhere in the world fishing. I mean, if the weather starts to become a little bit upside down, I suppose, for fishing, it, it just shuts everything down regardless of where you are. You can be in the most pristine place in the world and fishing still fishing. How about the spotted bass? No, no spotted bass, just black bass. They are... Definitely the what they call the, the bulldogs of the of the freshwater river system. There's nothing that I've come across that actually hits as hard and fights initially as hard as what a black bass does. Have you heard much since you've been back? I mean, it's the best. That that's a nice birthday present, but you've returned yep. to an even better birthday present, which was which is the build up. Yeah, well, it's not really building up too much in in humidity wise. I mean, the temperature, like in Catherine, had got to 41 during this week, which is quite hot, but the wind is still. Pr- prevalent i mean we're we're getting strong strong winds that are still blowing and and until we start to feel the change in the wind direction because they're still coming out of the east southeast sort of direction which basically brings up dry air from from central australia and queensland until the westerlies start to prevail and then you'll get the moisture coming off the the sea or or from the equator which means the monsoon's now starting to get a bit more active we're starting to get the stickiness a bit in darwin have you heard much from any of the big rivers across your parish yeah i mean this weekend the the tides was we're just starting to come up to neap tides again because we've been on a new moon at the moment so the tides have been pretty big Trent went fishing on Tuesday up in Shoal Bay and did quite well. He got 20 barra, eight of them were legal, and he also got 10 mud crabs as well. So <laughs> That's, Sh- That's Shoal- a great session. Shoal- yeah, Shoal Bay's still fishing pretty good, and that was a lock-in like um, on those big tides when you go in there and, and fish some of those um, bends he- and so forth and <laughs> lock yourself in. He didn't stoop to live bait, did he? No, hell no. No, no. Just, no, no. <laughs> just casting just, lures around those low tide holes. Yeah, using yeah. soft plastics yeah. um, and just, yeah. just getting in those big bends that, that dry out either side and yeah. you just fish in there and, and just continually work different lures um, and at certain times I'll come on the bite and then I'll go off again and you can go for a walk um, and walk up to the next bend or whatever, you you know, if, you, if it gets a bit quiet in that one. So just basically walking along, exploring some of those um, deeper holes that, that are in Shoal Bay. Mm, good going. Hey, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, mate, you remember we chatted to Alison King who told us about the sad news that Barra pretty much haven't recruited, haven't bred on the Daly River. There are no baby Barra from that poor wet. Since then, heaps and heaps of fishers have been onto the tinny, having a whinge about and blaming the commercial Barramundi fishers who are at the mouth and, and take serious quantities of fish. Now, they're not breaking the law. They're, they're operating perfectly legally um, within the, the terms of their licence. Is there any push or any move um, to try to have those licences bought out? Not that I'm aware of. The Northern Territory Government hasn't um, sort of looked at doing any more uh, commercial buyouts, and we're certainly not advocating for that at the moment as well. Um, also, we're in negotiations with the Northern Land Council in regards to Blue Mud Bay waters, which... Um, is quite uh, delicate, I suppose, in the negotiations about them wanting to look at um, moving into the seafood industry, uh, the commercial side of things. So there are a lot of things in play at the moment, a lot of balls up in the air, I suppose, so to speak. So certainly there's no push that I'm aware of um, to to take out any more commercial licences. And having said that, the amount of fish commercially and recreational fish take from the biomass is estimated by fisheries at around 5%. So That's combo of rec and commercial. Yeah, so we're not really impacting that heavily on the commercial or on the biomass, sorry, commercially and recreational fishermen. Um, what really plays an important part in everything in the Northern Territory is, is the wet season. If we have a really good wet season, we have a really good recruitment, we have a lot of fish come into the river systems and they stay there for that entire 
dry season to a degree, feeding on the bait that's plentiful in that river system. If there's not a lot of bait, it's just like you and me, we have a choice of going to the smorgasbord or to the desert. And obviously every one of us is gonna to go to the smorgasbord. So the same with Barra, they'll look for wherever the food source is and they'll move to that area. And that may be out the front, not so much in the rivers. And that's why maybe the people are saying that their commercial fishermen are catching a lot more fish. I haven't seen any of the catch rates and everything um, is closed now commercially. The first of October is the last, is closed season now for commercial Barra Monday fishing. So we'll, we'll see what progresses, I suppose, as we go into the build up in regards to what fish come back into the river systems. Good on you, Warren. We'll chat again next week. Unless you're getting back on the horsies now, are you? Or horsies are done for the for the year? No, nah, horses are done for the year. I'm going fishing now. I'm, I'm going to go try and go out and uh, this Wednesday, maybe Thursday, um, out to the Vic and, and fish those neat tides again because they're looking pretty good at the moment. And providing that wind backs off um, because it does make it really hard fishing if the wind is too strong and dirties up the riverbank. So you know, hopefully it'll back off enough for us to get out there. Good on you, Warren. We'll look forward to your personal fishing update next week. All right, mate, all the best. Yeah, and, and Warren mentioned afterwards how black bass are different from Barra, Andy, in that, and you've fished for black bass, haven't you? I have, and I concur with everything he said. They, 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 take the, they take the prey on the way back into the snag, much like a mangrove jack. Whereas a Barra, when it sees the prey, will just smack it regardless, and often coming out of the snag. That's right. And that makes me think, perhaps our Barra, like our fishermen like us, Andy, are just a little bit more stupid. <laughs> you know, that looks good. I'll just shove that pie in my face right now on the way to the highbrow corporate boardroom meeting. This instant, right now, with utter disregard of how sloppy and hot it is, is dripping it all over my freshly pressed suit. I'm just going to go for it. Whereas the bass gets his pie on the way back home to safety perhaps a brain slightly larger than a sultana. Are we going fishing today? Tales. Tomorrow? From the tinny. I'm a good girl already. Well, if you didn't have enough reasons to go fishing, Tim, the prospect now of catching a red tag barra has got to be another good reason. Season five of the MDF obviously kicking off this week. For many, it's the only good reason of the year to force you to go and... Uh, drain the old fuel out of that tinny that's been sitting out in the weather for the last six or eight months. Put in some fresh fuel and get it out. And it's also a great excuse. I mean, what, what better, certainly in my house, that I want to go for a fish. Yeah, you can. Oh, I might catch a million buck fish. I might come home with a million dollars. Of course you can go. It, it is such an excellent leverage so tool oh. for all fishers, for men and women, for the partners who don't care about fishing, who aren't into fishing, the constant relationship battle they all suffer with justifying a thousand dollars a fillet the cost of their hobby (laughs) that this has turned that all on its head hasn't it it's brilliant it has even if that fillet cost me a thousand dollars i'm in with the chance to pay off at least 10 fillets if i if i get a red tag that's right Anyway, part of the sort of the foundation of the competition, Tim, is is the tags. Would you agree with that? Yeah, <laughs> Fairly important ingredient. Yes, I would. Yeah, so all of those tags were in except for one the day before the competition started. So the pressure was on for the, the actual tag of the person that tags these fish to get that final tag in. None other, Tim, none other to assist the final tag of the final fish than our very own Beard. Why would, why would they have chosen him? hundred and twenty tagged fish in the water for MDF. One red tag to go. I just wanted to think for a minute about the weeks and months leading up to MDF that someone's got to go out there and 
actually catch these fish. Head out to spots all across the territory. Now the man who has a lot of this pressure on him, I was all set to call him Mr. X, but uh, he assures me that his name is actually Dan from Palmerston. G'day Dan. How are you, Bid? I'm feeling the pressure in, uh, in a way that I guess you're probably not unfamiliar with. No, this is a, just another day at work for me, mate. Tell me about your, uh, your role in MDF uh, up to this point. I've been enlisted over the years to help with the uh, tagging of the fish, both the charity purple tags and the red million dollar fish tags. And um, I'm involved with the rod and line court side of things. What an awful job. Dan, what, what a terrible job to have to do. Yeah, it's tough. Day in, day out on the water, sunburn. But um, I pride myself on being up for the challenge. The lead up to before we start and the first few weeks of starting is, is always a lot of pressure. But once we sort of get the bulk of the fish in the water, it, uh, it does almost become fun. Yes. <laughs> How many tags have you personally put in for this season? I've been involved in about half of the tags, about 60. Some of those have actually decent size eh no the the bulk of the fish we get are in that around that 60 centimeter range but we do get some bigger fish and i believe this year there's uh at least three fish over a meter a couple of days out from the comp actually starting one fish left to tag and and me along for this ride i feel like the integrity of the of the entire comp and forgive me if i'm overselling it here the future hopes of the northern territory are actually uh, on our shoulders today the fish have got to be in the water for people to catch them, so it really does all boil down to you today. Uh, I've been told that it's it's fine to say that we are in the harbour. Uh, however, the various places we are going to will be referred to as... Undisclosed location. Water's starting to come out of the mangroves, Dan. I reckon we probably get to it, eh? Yeah, it's just about time to wet a line, I think. We should go uh, target along the fringes here and uh, see what we can pull out on this dropping tide. I've brought you to a spot, a little rock bar that is actually unnamed, but I'm making the bold move of actually calling it now. Red tag, you rock bar. You happy with that? I'm sure it'll be known as that after today forever, yes. (laughs) All right, man, let's get into it. Javelin fish. (laughs) You've been tempted to tag a jabby? Yeah, yeah, on on the tough days. Catfish? Anything. We caught a sea snake the other day. It was nearly the million dollar sea snake. So just a little stock take. I think that's three javelin fish, small barra, and a flatty. Oh, and a cod. So yeah, needless to say, red tag, you rock bar just failed to, uh, oh, what was that? That looked like a barrow just rolling half out of the water on some bait. This is, um... Undisclosed location. Number two, little snake drain. So Dan, fishing around the Territory for this season. Geez, you must have seen some amazing country. Oh, we have, mate. We've travelled far and wide and uh, seen lots of amazing things from wildlife to fish. And probably the most memorable thing from this year was a... Just a fish in a mid 70 centimetre range that are hooked in between two dead trees and it, on hook up it just arced sideways straight into the middle of a dead spindly tree and uh, stitched me up in every direction you could think of. But after some uh, fine manoeuvring and wiggling and toing froing, we had it jammed in there solid and we were just about to give up on it. So I just started pulling as hard as I could and actually come off. And then my hook jagged it in the tail and I dragged it out of the tree backwards. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and that was at the end of a, of a hard day's fishing, so we are pretty happy to see that one hit the net. That would be a live bait aerator, that's true. Not Dan's suggestion. It's uh, desperate measures, so I'll go along with it for now, all right? <laughs> uh, I take it you've caught all the other ones on uh, on lures? Yes. Yes, we have. <laughs> We've moved spots over to... Undisclosed location. Tide's probably just about to start pushing in. What's the plan here? Uh, hopefully on that first push of the incoming tide, we get a bit of a run of fish come past this zone and we can uh, snag one. What happens if we don't catch a barra to tag well uh, 
being with only a few days left to go, you're uh, going to cost me a day's work and I'm going to have to go again tomorrow. <laughs> oh! No. Oh! <laughs> oh, devastated. <laughs> Queenie! Queenie, you got our hopes right up, mate. Yeah, just the bite we wanted, but not really the bite we wanted. My worry here is, as we catch no fish, is that Dan, who is obviously a very successful fisherman, will look to what the outstanding variable is in this situation and coming to no other conclusion that it must be the presence of beard. That right, Dan? I'll go along with that, mate. <laughs> What if we caught a fish that you'd already tagged? Will we tag it and it would be worth twice as much? There's actually a, a fish that was caught this year that had last season's tag in it. It wasn't the million dollar fish, so it got re-tagged with this season's red tag and it's now swimming around with two red tags. <laughs> so, someone's gonna think that they've got, they've got 20 grand coming to them if they catch that. Well, it clearly states in the rules that only this season's fish will count unless it's one of the nominated million dollar numbers. <laughs> oh, the fabled double red tagged fish. Well done. Undisclosed location. Failed to deliver in this case. I don't know whether it was the spot that failed to deliver or whether it was us, but it's a no-go <laughs> either way. <laughs> if they're not on the live bait and they're not on the lures, I don't know what they are on, but they're better than us. So now it's go home, watch the grand final, and for you, come back again tomorrow. Thought all tomorrow with the feeling a bit rusty in the head probably yeah that's i don't know i really haven't had much time to let today sink in where it went wrong but um yeah you're as good excuse to any to use to say it was you because normally i do catch them thanks mate <laughs> all right let's hit it and get back and uh watch some footy sounds good mate let's make this run home MDF tagger Dan from Palmo. What a job. What a job, Dan. How'd you score that gig, bro? That's got to be the best job in the world, Tim. It's got to be up there, I know I've it? said that a few times, but, but recreational barra fishing and getting paid for it with a little bit of pressure. And Beard epically failing. But <laughs> <laughs> the final fish did actually get tagged, by the way, so the competition's integrity is intact despite the piss-poor effort by Beard on Saturday. He was actually, there was something quite unique about that trip, that he was actually delighted not to have caught a barra. That is the, the only time Beard would ever go fishing and see a silver lining in getting no barra because it doesn't rule him in, ineligible now. Of course. Because if they'd caught one, he's ineligible for the comp. Yeah. So now he's registered and he's all clear. Should he catch a, a red-tagged barra? Oh, that's a happy ending. Red, fast and free! Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Some say these stats might be slightly exaggerated, but you know when, when it's you saying it and you want to make it sound official, you say some say, or some might say. <laughs> it's made up. Of course they're not exaggerated. They're fact. They improve the catch rates. And if you don't believe us, listen to the correspondence from across the nation and across the globe from the great faithful potty mullets 
consistently telling the tinny how they were a hopeless person. They had no purpose in life. They had no future. They had no prospects for positivity. They were unable to achieve in any, any element, be it work or, or, or family life or, or in the fishing front. They put a sticker on their boat. They say, praise be the mullet and bang. Saving the world, Tim, one angler at a time. Relationships come good. Meter barra hit the deck. Fuel efficiency improves. <laughs> Get a promotion. Lotto wins. Although Grant says hi, I still haven't received my sticker for the boat. I have no idea how big my kid's first ever barrel was. <laughs> because he didn't have the sticker. We got it at Shady Freshwater on Sunday on a frog. Oh. It's my child's first ever barramundi. My sticker hasn't arrived. I don't know how long it is. Grant, we can't apologise enough on Neville's behalf, but he's back in rehab. We can't do anything about it. Mm. And to your son and to you, we, we deeply apologise. But he's in rehab. So when he gets out, you'll get your sticker. That's you just, what you just got to accept. I'm sorry. Graham Ryder via Facebook. Uh, g'day, Graham. Maybe I'm a challenge for you, he opens up with. Mate, we are a challenge for us. Don't worry about that. The audience is the easy part. <laughs> Trust me, standing here working with Tim Moore. We are challenged by each other enough. We are you, you, our this, own challenge. This will be no problem, Graham. You are fine. <laughs> he says, we're travelling Oz, and they've been on the road for about two and a half years. Um, and he said, there's always been a reason not to try some fishing. He's a bit restricted only to land-based fishing because um, he doesn't have a tinny and he, and he suffers from PTSD. Yep. So he's been told it's not a good idea for him to fish alone. So it's great to hear that you're fishing land-based. Um, it is a wonderful pastime. Mm. Just one reasonable fish is my dream to tell my partner I can still do it. And that's another long story, right. uh, he says. So obviously a sticker is definitely going to help Graham's um, situation. He said, I've been told to come to Darwin if I want to catch a fish, but the only way I can catch a fish is to listen to you on the radio. Love the program. <laughs> Thank you. You have me laughing loudly, but I bet I still can't get a fish onto a plate, mate. I reckon you can. And, and what Tim just said about the, um, you know, about the miraculous powers of these stickers, we'll send you one as soon as Neville's out of rehab, uh, and you'll get and, a fish and on as a soon plate. As, as soon as you get it, providing you say praise be the mullet when you stick it on wherever you're sticking it on, you will get your a fridge fish. or your you, you will get a fish. You will get those fish. And you can replay this on the podcast. Um, I'm making that commitment now. You will catch a fish. Actually, we've got an update on this. Oh. Um, Lisa the Brave has called Graham to arrange the drop-off when Neville gets out of rehab. Yeah. And, and Graham was at RDH. All oh, right. He and his Mrs Dixie went out to Lee Point on Tuesday in the hope of flicking a line and, and landing their first elusive barra. Yeah. Dixie went ass up on the rocks, broke her arm in two places. Oh, wow. No. Requiring <laughs> realignment, a cast. And all of that broken bone business. Uh, well, you know why that was, Dixie and Graham, because you didn't get... The sticker. You didn't have the sticker. Uh, Wait for the sticker before you go fishing again, Dixie. Mm, mm. Graham says uh, they've now had to... Oh, hang on, there might be a silver lining here, thank God. Oh. They now have had to extend their Darwin stopover by a few weeks so Dixie can get back to the dock for an assessment, giving Graham more time to do more land-based fishing while he's in town. <laughs> Good, that's a win. That is a win. I mean, it's not... The, the way it was designed, or we, we, we hope you're recovering well, Dixie, but there is a silver lining. Graham, you are now prioritised for the first delivery when uh, old mate gets out of uh, the rehab. Get one of those fish before you leave town again. You can get a sticker too, fishing at abc.net.au, the email address, or hit us up on Facebook. Well, a court judgment this week, Tim, that has relevance to uh, church members and anyone really that uses a boat ramp or goes fishing in the Territory. Mm. You might have heard about this. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a summary of facts. So on the morning of the 26th of March 2018... <laughs> That's not the right tinny voice, is it? That's, is that too serious? <laughs> I know when you do court cases and police reports, you just turn into a bit of a weirdo, so I'm, <laughs> I'm down with it. I'll take that as a compliment, because that says I'm normal for the other times. At any rate, uh, 
So this fellow's fishing near Buffalo Creek when somebody launched their boat and actually ran over um, his fishing line, okay? So it got caught up in the prop. That's irritating. Of, of a launch boat. It's irritating, of course. But the, um, the offender here, I'm going to call him the offender, the offender struck the victim multiple times across the back with a fishing rod to the point where he broke the rod and started to welt up on the back of the victim. Just started belting the boat? Yeah, 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 because he's run over his fishing line. So there's a couple of words in law, reasonable and proportionate, of, of, <laughs> often used. <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a law lecture, but um, this, this is serious stuff. You can make stuff, your own judgment as to whether or not that was reasonable and proportionate. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's indeed what, what the judge did in this Well, that's his judgment. job, actually, not yours. That's right. Not ours. It's not our job. It didn't, it didn't end there, though, Tim, because uh, the guy then took out a shovel and chased some other victims around the car park, shouting out that he was going to cut and stab and kill them and then bury them with the shovel. Oh, jeepers. The, the, he's, he's run away, and then the police, the police have had to chase him. Two days later, the police have located him, uh, at which point he told one of the officers to f*** off threatened the police with a, a glass wine bottle, ended up throwing the bottle at them, got tasered. Jesus. For whatever reason, yeah, this, this is all serious stuff. For whatever reason, the taser hasn't had the right effect on him. He kept fighting. He's broken one of the officer's hands, punched another one in the head, tried to escape, uh, and finally they managed to contain him. So he was found guilty on several charges. You can imagine what those charges relate to. And sentenced to a total of 3.5 years, three and a half years, or in our terms, three and a half runoffs. And, and in... <laughs> Imprisonment, and this was all because someone ran over his fishing line. Yeah. Now we understand fishos; you'd, you'd get it. That's frustrating. Mm. Uh, but three and a half runoffs in prison. Yeah, three and a half runoffs. Is it worth it, team? I think this is a time to reflect because you know what? This is the quintessential example of rampage, and what? it's happened right here in our own Buffalo Creek. It's not only rampage; it's the build-up horrors. He's had jock rot. It's the onset of jock rot. The build-up's coming. We know we're all under pressure mm. with the heat and humidity as we wait for the barra to come on. It's hot and it's hard. And we all have build-up losers. We've spoken about this before on the tinny, but th- was this a proportionate and reasonable build-up loser, mm. I ask you? Uh, no. Even well, if jock rot was quite severe at the time. That's right. Not a mitigating factor, according to the judge. It, it is time for us to look out for each other, Tim, as church members. And remember, yeah, ramp rage is not okay. It's not okay. And build-up losers need to be reasonable and, <laughs> and proportionate, although they never really are. It feels timely that we... Um, we used uh, the TFT Enterprises d- division to assist. You've got a selection to choose from, actually. Should we go with Ramp Rage? Should we go with the little book of chill? Or would you like to just hear build-up time, Andy? The choice is yours. Let's go with the little book of chill. Mate, will you get on with it? I'd like to get me boat in on this tide if I can. Idiot. Fishers, it's an intolerant, impatient, rude and obnoxious world out there, isn't it? Some days it seems the sole purpose of every other bugger's existence on the planet is to present themselves as a speed bump on the highway of your progress. There's road rage, ramp rage, even river rage. But it's very unattractive and unproductive, isn't it? So don't get pissed off, get pissed out, as our philosophy and publishing divisions combine to bring you... The Tales from the Tinny Little Book of Chill. Anger is merely good energy turned bad. When you feel bad vibrations welling up, harness the harsh energy and channel it into the formation of calming images of serenity and peace. A majestic blue dragonfly hovering, a stately brolga at sunset, a casting deck. A wash with blood, slime, scales and entrails. The Tales from the Tinny Little Book of Chill has chapter after chapter of calming, convoluted, cosmic contemplations and fits handily into tackle box, glove box or ammo box. Ah, no, live bait is right in the bloody trolling line. Hey, dickhead, get out of the way or I'll ram ya! If a tree falls in a forest... Does anybody hear? Well, who cares really? Picture it instead, falling off the bank into a back eddy to form a delicious structure from which to mercilessly pull fish. The Tales from the Tenny Little Book of Chill. Don't get mad, get mantrin. It's just another bit of top-notch merchandise. 
is never sure. A man with a full esky doesn't care. Tales from the tinny. It's deep, man. Chill. On a lighter note, Tim, because I think we need that now, a guy called Jason, one of our listeners from down south, he has become so addicted to Northern Territory fishing that he booked a week-long trip. Mm. And get this, get this from Mixed Bag of Lollies, He's included in his week-long trip four individual barra charters and a blue water charter. That's committed. That is committed. So one of the first charters he did was with Jared um, at Real Screamin', and on that charter, believe it or not, he's bagged a 108 at Shady. Yeah, see, these are the kind of people that end up turning around and moving to the Territory. They do, and Jared's con- converted a few already, actually. He's got yeah. two or three under his belt. This could be another one on, on the boil. Yeah, he, like all, actually, like every single Northern Territory fishing charter, fishing tour operator, are great ambassadors for the Tales and the Tinny Frothy Waffle campaign. And how high is that? Building our population one at a time on the back of, of the, the, uh, the the broad shoulders <laughs> of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and what a standard that sets for the other guides too. Yeah, so, you know, he's does. got three charters to go. Well, the first one was a 108, so yeah. come on, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gee, we're going to have to find out where that was and how. Mm. A 108 at the start of uh, October. Mm. We're coming for you, Jared, again. Andy will bring you some dumplings. Deployment of artificial reefs has started. Eight and a half million bucks or thereabouts, mate. Four football field size scientifically designed reefs designed to sit on the sea floor and replicate, you know, the best possible um, natural reef habitat. It's going to take about a month for all 116 different modules that make up those four units to be um, shipped and dropped. Uh, expected to take two to three years before they fully establish, but fish will start congregating on, on, on them pretty much straight away. There'll be two between North Gutter and Lee Point. There'll be one in, around Dundee, and there'll be one between the Vernon Islands and Cape Hotham. And no doubt when it's done and dusted, the GPS um, fisheries will put out the GPS marks and great work to the whole mob who's been getting that underway. It is good work. You might remember Beard and I went out and had a walk through them yeah. when they were being built. And I can tell you, those babies ain't going anywhere. We're yeah. not going to lose those ones. They're massive, aren't they? They're huge. Yeah. They, you just picture them with fish around and It's really exciting. Uh, so moving right along, from Graham and Dixie, you might remember them. Mm-hmm. They've got a big ask for us. A few weeks ago, um, they met a guy called Travis while he was launching his trailer boat at the Elizabeth River Boat Ramp. And mm. he generously, um, this is Graham writing here, gave me the opportunity to practice my lure casting skills. We didn't exchange contact details because my plans were to leave town to continue along our long lap of Australia within the next week. But, but then Dixie Circumstances the changed, yeah. of course, as we've just said. So Travis told me he's a big follower of the Tinny and it would be great to be able to say thank you to him via Tales from the Tinny and hopefully catch up for a frothy. Tim, this is, this is the heart and soul, isn't it? This of is, the church. This is connecting the congregation through podcast and radio waves. I was about to say that if Travis was generous enough to give some uh, lure casting tutelage to some random grey nomads, i.e. Graham and Dixie, yeah. then that kind of altruism is clearly the M.O. of a tinny church member. It is, it is. And for that, even though this is hoy, not stickers, I think we should send Travis a sticker. Travis, can you get onto us? The sticker's coming your way, as are the contacts for Graham and Dixie, so you continue t- teaching them how to fish. I know you'll love it. Uh, another couple of hoys from the church. Cam Bazinga! Cam Bazinga, one of the greats. These guys have been onto us for months, coming up from down south for a trip too. We came, we fished, we laughed. We scored some PBs and also blanked the unblankable a few times. Just insert whatever you need to. Me, Crouching Tiger. Uh, no, it's not Crouching, crouching tiger, Burger. It's Crouching Burger <laughs> and that. Dr. Damage. Uh, D- Dr. Damage and Crouching Burger are still in d- on deck in Darwin, but I'm now contemplating the whole saga as I look out across a Bayside Melbourne train station. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Glad you had a good time, though. Bazinga, Crouching Burger and Dr. Damage. You can give us a hoy too. Uh, fishing at abc.net.au is the email address, or hit us up at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. So it's been an unfortunate trend, Tim, over the past few shows that we've had these reports of people share farming. And, and I crab, actually, po- crab pots? Yeah, share farming crab pots. I think it's a bit soft. I think it should just be called theft. But anyway. We committed last week to only putting out one of your uh, dozens of reports once a quarter. 
so that we can continue to maintain the rage against theft, but not overwhelm you every single week with yet another report of uh, crab pot theft. So we've done the September bass statement activity, the, the activity statement for the quarter. We have, and on the back of that, you asked me to follow up and see whether this was a problem in any other jurisdictions. I spoke to um, Tony Loder. He's from the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries in Queensland, where they have the same problem, obviously bigger population, so they have the same problem on a bigger scale, but they have a lot of technology to deal with it. Certainly in the recreational sector we, we get quite a few complaints of uh, people either having their uh, crab pots checked or, uh, or completely stolen. Uh, and so we have uh, implemented a number of strategies to address that. We have uh, a number of pieces of surveillance equipment that uh, we use, including uh, trail cameras, thermal imaging devices, infrared and night vision cameras, as, uh, as well as drones. And have those surveillance devices been useful? What, have you got any results? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, earlier this year, a uh, Brisbane man was fined $8,500 for having uh, undersized and female crabs. And most of those, those penalties are in that, that area. You know, they're, they're quite substantial. Officers of the patrol conduct um, high-end crab pot audits of location. So we will have three or four teams go into a particular river system and uh, clear out all the uh, unmarked or abandoned crab apparatus that are in the river system. There was 130 pots uh, pulled out of uh, the Marichi River down on the Sunshine Coast earlier this year. Uh, what we've found is uh, people that are into stealing other people's crabs often have a lot of unmarked pots as well that they service, so we're uh, cutting off that avenue as well. Has any of the surveillance equipment actually caught people interfering with other people's pots? Uh, yes, certainly. We've been using trail cams for quite some time uh, and we have numerous um, results from um, people just um, opportunistically checking somebody's pot. So we'll, we'll set up, uh, an officer will put in a, a crab pot that's uh, marked with all their details and um, we'll have trail cameras observing that, uh, that pot. That is unbelievable for, for recreational crab pot theft. Trail cams. Trail cams and, and drones. drones. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, it, setting them up, mm. putting in a fakey uh, crab pot. Yeah. For recos. Mm. Unbelievable. To the good men and women of the Northern Territory uh, Marine Police, you are doing a sterling job uh, with very limited resources. We understand that. Mm. But if those very limited resources at any time could extend to trail cams and, and, and drones... And to manage crab pot theft across the territory, the, t the, the Church of the Tinney would be most grateful. In, In fact, fact, it's not up to them. It's not up to them, to the police minister. Well, uh, Get uh, them the resources. Yeah, the resources. And also, there's going to be a new commissioner in coming soon. So I think uh, if you're listening out there, whoever you are, this could be your first platform. Trail cams, drones and For other tricky surveillance devices the, to stop the theft of crab The other in the reason Territory. is that if Queensland can bloody do it, why the hell aren't we? Mm. We can't. They, they stole our monsoon. They're pretty much overtaking the fishery. Come on. The least we can do for the church. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a hoy. Morning, lads. I'm George Musa from Karama. Not working today. No, mate, I've uh, taken some time off to uh, chase the million dollar fish the whole month. I figured, you know, I've got heaps of annual leave owing and what better time to take it than, um, you know, coincide with the start, which is the first. So I've been uh, preparing and gearing up for that. I've spent a bit of coin getting the car and boat ready, so even if I get one of those uh, $10,000 fish, it would go a long way to paying for it all. How much you dropped in getting the gear sorted to get to this point? With tyres, servicing, etc., and new suspension, about four and a half grand. Charity tagged fish is going to get you two and a half grand back in the kitty. Mm -hmm. Ten grand fish, you're going to be well ahead. Million dollars. Investment vindicated. Talking with the wife at home, she goes, what would you do if you get it? And I said, I really don't know. I suppose, you know, it's like if I said to you now, here's a million bucks. It's sort of, I think, the shock of it all. If it happened, it'd be unreal. But... Um, I think I might buy uh, shares in my local tackle shop. I've been joking with him for a while, saying that... <laughs> and he tells me he'll throw me the keys. And the approach, George. Are you using a laser pointer or a shotgun? <laughs> Bit of both. I've been, uh, in my spare time, 
I've been ducking out and just checking out a few places. You know, just the, the usual haunts, uh, you know, like your hardies and places like that. Look, don't get me wrong, fishos, if you've got a smaller tinny and stuff, um, you might not struggle as much as I do with a bit bigger boat. But for me to get through the first rock bar, for example, um, which is sketchy as, as you know, there's pretty big uh, uh, crocs in uh, hardies and places like that. But, yeah, I had to jump out and really work hard to get my boat just to get through that first sea, you know, three, four hundred metres up from the ramp. It's already knee deep. Any fish? Yeah, we did well on that particular day, Saturday. It was 31, 31.3 according to the sounder. So water was hot and they came on the bite. We started getting them from around oh, 11 o'clock. So the morning session, not so much. Later in the mid-morning, uh, when you know I'm looking for shade and thinking it's too hot, but they seem to come on. Have you been doing all these reckeys on the clock, on work time, in order to prepare to <laughs> utilise your month off most efficiently? It ought to be nice, but no. So Hardy's low, difficult to navigate in a larger boat, but there are fish there. Uh, how many did you get and what size? You know, I suppose same year class, high 50s, mid 60s. Uh, you know, 67, 68 was probably probably the better one we landed. I've seen two that were absolute thumpers. He was right on the surface, well into the 80s, probably 90s, but he looked like a tuna, as in looking down at his back. He was so barrelled and round, you know, I guess you'd liken it to a Murray Cod or something. He's been really eaten, but he had this white crusty across his uh, dorsal, and he was very lethargic. But I've seen it at places like Yellow Waters and things later, more later in the season than we are now. Um, we put 22 in the boat, caught and released. Um, and I think, truthfully, I think we're on the water, I don't know, four and a half hours. That's terrific fishing. So other than Hardy's, where else have you done a recce on, and what can you tell us about conditions in those areas? Uh, I've done a little bit in the harbour. Look, Shoal Bay always predominantly fishes this time of year with that build-up. The tides that I like for Shoal Bay are sort of that bottom out around the two metres. You could do worse than to put the canopy up and the tunes on. And You know, if you're not banging good-sized saltwater barra, there's always your dewfish and, and things like that places like the rock. Nothing like hardcore drum and bass coming from George Moose's boat echoing through the hole in Hope Inlet. I've changed. You'd be an Aussie rock man, wouldn't you? Yes, for sure. Chisel? Yes. Acker? Yeah, definitely. Dacker? <laughs> I never used to play music, and if I did, it was, you know, you could barely hear it, but yeah, I don't think it makes any difference. If anything, that pulsing going through the, the hull probably helps. Are there any rivers or spots that you're going to avoid on your epic million-dollar chase? Yeah, I've given that a lot of thought too. Um, I ducked out and had a look at the daily. I think if I'm to go to have a crack, because like previously people have picked a few up from the crossing, so I think I'd flick it. You'd avoid the Adelaide, surely? Yeah, the Adelaide. Look, I don't like the Adelaide anyway, to be honest with you. Oh, it's one of those rivers, you know, I think some people have it pegged. I'm not one of them. M most of them are liars. It's a foul <laughs> temptress, and, and we all know that as fishers. So no, I'm not going to bother with that one. But your south, your east. I hope by the end of this month, you're coming home with at least 10k in the pocket. Yeah, it'd be nice. Have you signed a TFT PPA, a Tales from the Tinny Piscatorial Prenuptial Agreement, to work out how you distribute the winnings between you and any deckies who might be aboard? No, I did see, was it last year, I think you, you blokes uh, came up with it, which gave me a good laugh at the time when I read it. I think in the past we've had gentlemen agreements. I know that can be a bit, how's you going? A lot of my fishing will be solo. The only thing I'm not sure about, and if you know, or any of the listeners, is I don't know how it goes with the old tax department. Yeah, I thought it was tax-free. It is if I win it. But if, say, it's you and I in the boat and we decide, all right, it's my boat, so I don't know, 60-40, whatever, 50-50, and I get the check, I'm assuming uh, MDF people, you know, they write out the check and uh, try not to break down in tears as they hand it over. But if I'm to give you, I say, 500K, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure only 60,000 of it becomes a non-taxable gift. We've got to get on to the ATO, Andy. Yeah, or we could refer it to our own uh, ATO section of the TFT they work daily on this sort of stuff. The TFT Chambers, the attack dogs at law or our accounting division? No, the attack dogs at tax. You know, that subsidiary that formed last year after the PPO was formulated. Anyway, we'll talk about that afterwards, George. <laughs> yeah, please let us know, though. That, that'll be good because you'd uh, hate you know, the government to uh, clean up. So we'll get on to it. An exemption? <laughs> we'll push for either a private ruling or an exemption. Thanks yeah. very much, George. I uh, love your work, lads. That'll be good. Well, it's not only a moral obligation, but I think a legal obligation, obviously, Andy, to 
to get the answer for George and the Church of the Tinney in terms of what happens. What are the tax implications? Nothing like talking about uh, tax law and uh, jurisprudence on Tales from the Tinny. Yeah, but we do provide a, a broad service, Tim, don't we? I've, I've had a look at MDF terms and conditions. Uh, clause 6.15. Winners of the top prizes should seek independent financial advice about any tax implications that may arise from the winning. So we've done just that with Matt, who is now the CEO of the TFD uh, Attack Dogs at Tax. Matt, what are the potential implications tax-wise if we win the million dollars? Well, I guess the real thing is if you're in the business of going around winning money, so you would have to pay tax on that. But if you're just a, a normal punter like uh, myself, uh, then it is tax-free. The whole lot is tax-free? The whole lot is tax-free. Prizes, awards and winnings from these sorts of events are tax-free. Matt, we've also got a task in the Tinny Piscatorial Prenuptial Agreement, a legally binding form whereby you can distribute winnings, should you win them, with other deckies on on the boat. Here's the tax problem. I win a million bucks. I say to Andy, because we've signed the TFT PPA 50-50, I give Andy 500k, half a million dollars. Does he get taxed? He won't get taxed. I think uh, I wouldn't mind a bit of a cut no, no, this, uh, of this as well. How does a how does a carton sound? Uh, all right, but look, I'm here. I am running around the bush in my suit. I've rolled up my uh, <laughs> socks, uh, rolled up my pants, taken the socks and shoes off, trying to help you out, and a slab of beer will be fine. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Matt. That's why you're the CEO of TFT Attack Dogs at Tax. So I. I, I, ha- I give you a carton, I give Andy half a mil, less 40 bucks, 40, 50 bucks to buy your carton. Won't that increase his taxable income for that income year and he'll get taxed at 47% or whatever the highest tax rate is? No, it's just a, it's a split of the winnings. Uh, it, as long as it's not a substitute for income, if it's just something extra on top, not expected, it is part of sharing in the prize, then it's tax-free to him. So you're saying it's okay to share winnings? It is absolutely okay to share winnings. Uh, the only people that would get upset about uh, sharing winnings would be Centrelink. If you're on some sort of uh, family payment plan or you're getting uh, Centrelink money, uh, then there's certain rules about how much you can give away uh, each year. 500 is way too much. The limits are a lot lower depending on what you are on. Um, so a slab of beer would be be fine. You wouldn't have to worry about that. <laughs> but the 500,000 and you've got uh, some sort of close connections with uh, Centrelink, then you'd want to have a close look at uh, some arrangement. But Matt, the people who are in that uh, situation would know about it already. Matt, you've nailed it. And thank you for clarifying that not only is it okay to share amongst the Church of the Tinny, not o- only is it okay with you, the CEO of TFT Attack Dogs Attacks, uh, it's also okay with the ATO. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. So Matt is an actual accountant, but regarding the uh, legally binding nature of the TFT PPA or your individual tax circumstances, please don't take that under any circumstances as personalised tax advice of any, of any kind. Always seek your own financial advice that caters to your individual circumstances, etc., etc. In fact, bugger it, Andy, hang on. Let's just do this. Decidedly dodgy discussion detected. Prepare for disclaimer. While some superficial effort is made to ensure that the content of this program is accurate and appropriate, it is provided on an as-is basis. Tales from the Tinny makes no representations or warranties in relation to the accuracy, veracity or propriety of the information found on it. The views and opinions expressed herein by the presenters of the Tales from the Tinny program should not be taken to constitute professional advice, formal recommendation or anything more substantive than the ill-considered utterances of idiots. In no event will Tales from the Tinny be liable for any incidental, indirect, consequential or special damages of any kind or any damages whatsoever, including, without limitation, those resulting from loss of profit, loss of contracts, loss of hearing, loss of domestic stability, loss of personal hygiene standards, loss of grip on reality, loss of will to live and loss of bait, boat or barra arising out of or in connection with the use of this program or any linked websites. 
We return you now to our advertised programming. Tales from the Tinny. You may now consider yourself disclaimed. On 105.7 ABC Darwin and 783 Alice Springs. There, we're done. If you haven't heard of the uh, TFT PPA before, it's the Tales from the Tinny. Uh, Piscatorial prenuptial, prenuptial agreement. agreement. It's not easy to say, but gee, it's easy to sign. <laughs> uh, they'll be at uh, all good tackle stores uh, for your collection and your use. Just chuck them under the gunnel. If they're not at that tackle store, ask why not. The answer will probably be because we haven't given them to that tackle store. Uh, do the same on the charter boat. Uh, do the same with your mates, with your skippers. Where's your, where's your TTF, uh, T- TFT PPA? I need to sign it. Uh, so the purpose is basically to predetermine how you're going to distribute any winnings, 10 grand, million, five grand, whatever, from the million dollar fish. Uh, there's four options, and you just tick the box. The socialist, it's all about me, salute the skipper. The egalitarian, there's a little form there you can allocate percentages beforehand. Everyone signs up, and then uh, that's legally binding. Although, please, in terms of the legally binding nature of it, refer to the disclaimer uh, that has just preceded <laughs> this conversation. A good time for a reminder, actually, I think that, that as per the disclaimer aired earlier, the Tinny is a program that tells the truth. However graphic or profane or offensive, we are truth-tellers. And a timely warning that sometimes, as a territory fisho, a potty mouth is appropriate. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I think uh, the overwhelming majority of the church would agree that territory fishos require a potty mouth. For accuracy, if nothing (laughs) else. Accuracy of communication. Sometimes only certain language will suffice to communicate a, a theme, an idea... Or strong emotions. Or, or, or just to be accurate, as you say. So if you or your children are challenged or likely to be offended by such profanities, uh, or even the mere insinuation of a profanity, uh, the Tinny highly recommends you tune out now uh, in preparation for the upcoming. Yep, straight on the sandbar. Bugger this. Stripped off all my clothes. And suddenly it took a big gasp. A dry reaching just from thirst. Everyone was starting to get a bit peeved with the whole deal. Live to um, fish again. Tales from the Tinny. The weather is telling us it's the build-up, Andy, but I think we're all anxiously awaiting for that to be reflected in the water. And that is for the barramundi to tell us it's the build-up. No real evidence of that as yet across the big rivers, the estuaries and, and billabongs. But over on the Tiwis... The tide has turned. Wazza Smith is with Tiwi Island Adventures. How are you, Wazza? Good, guys. How's the how's the fishing been? Mate, the fishing's been, like, outstanding the last two weeks over there with... Because um, I, I think that the you know bigger fish are starting to show up, possibly a little bit early, but, yeah, lots of, like, fish in the 90s and heaps in the 80s and squillions in the 70s. So, yeah, things are looking good over there. So, so what's a good day for you at the moment? Well, the last time out, I was there for... I did eight days on the water... And five days out of eight, we caught over fifty barrels. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a pretty. Mm. Those are pretty good days. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? So, if that's a good day, what's your worst day? Um, over that last little stint, I've done a bad day. Was like fifteen barrels. I think was our worst day. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds bad, eh? But this is just the way it is. Then we then you go up and go and catch. There's heaps of little goldies in the creek there from sort of 35 to 50 centimetres goldies and there's nothing to go and catch. Is there really? So so, so how are you targeting the goldies? Are you getting them on the plastics? Yeah, yeah. We mainly use um, like small three-inch paddle tail plastics mm. and you can go out there and chase the jacks and that and so But normally I expect to go and catch. If you want to go and catch jacks, we go right here. We'll go up there before the tide gets high and go and get 30 or 40 jacks, no worries. But um, even though we're still catching jacks, couple of days we went up there when the tide was down a bit and we got, I reckon, I don't know, 50, 60 goldies. <laughs> is, is, the, is the 30, 40 jack day and 50, 60 goldie day considered a good day or a bad day? <laughs> it's an average day. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is awesome fishing. And, and has this change happened 
only recently was it with the with the pickup in heat and humidity as we've moved towards build up? No, nah, not with the Jackson Goldies. It's pretty consistent out yep. on the Tiwis Island. They've got there's yep. always heaps. I've definitely seen more Goldies than we normally see in the creeks. But we're definitely seeing some really good barrows show up. The last trip out where I was, biggest was ninety seven. Uh, the next one was 95. Uh, I think we got about five in the 80s, quite a few in the high 70s. One morning we went down, the first three barrows that got caught, first three fish for the day were, went 79, 78, 79. Yeah, unbelievable. So uh, is the change over the last couple of weeks in Barra in just size, i.e. the bigger ones are feeding and the bigger ones are there, or is it both size and quantity? Uh the change is like we're starting to see the big ones show up in the you know the spots that you find. We expect to see the big ones at this time of year. They get ready to spawn in that. I went to one spot like an ocean rock out towards the mouth of one of the rivers, and we pulled up there, and the guys had some shallow running lures on. They cast out, and about the third cast, we looked beautiful, clean water. There was about eight or nine barrows in the 80 to 90 centimetre range come straight up, and we ended up, we got three of the big ones that are all over 80, and then we probably got half a dozen of small males that were all hanging around with you. Know? So that's my guess. I'm not a fishery scientist, but that's my guess. So, yeah. And what sort of country are you fishing in there, out the front of a estuary? That one was like, there's a big, we call it flat rock. So there's a great big oyster-covered rock that's probably 20 metres long and 5 metres wide. And it's just one of those spots that you, over the years you, you work out and you go, oh, on these tides, you know, there's a chance that they might show up. And on that day they did. And the last couple of times we've spoken to you, Mob Up on the Tiwis, there's been some good barra fishing kind of out on the flats, on the coastal flats, out the out the front of these estuaries. Yeah, well, um, that last trip we had um, on the tides coming off the big spring, coming down to the neats when there's still a bit of run there. We had that was the best fish, and we had two days in a row where we got 50 plus fish. Then when the tides got really neat, which uh, Tiwi Islands is about half the tide is what we get in Darwin, but mm. it sort of went a little bit quieter where we you know we might get. 15 or 16 barrels type thing and still gold isn't that and then as the trip went on and then we got back to the tide started to build up again they all came on but that was all on the flats fishing off big mud flats the drains there's one beautiful big mud flat out there's got a big deep drain weeds its way through it and that was full of fish so threadies got quite a few threadies as well so yeah so I, i would presume for your punters it's pretty hard for them to stuff this up was it? Yeah, these guys, they're from Western Australia and they've been up about half a dozen times in the last 10 years and they uh, always bring a rod with them that is named the <laughs> up rod. The <laughs> up rod. The <laughs> up rod. Why is it called the <laughs> up rod? So I'll just give you a bit of history on the rod. It's always a telescopic rod. comes with a reel loaded with mono yeah. from one of the big chain stores. Oh, so it costs about 8 bucks. It has to come in under $18. <laughs> under $18. Okay, high end. The action of the rod went fully extended, like, you know, when you play with your kids with a pool noodle. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> and you're not allowed to tie a double in the probably it's about six-pound mono, I suppose, I guess, because they don't tell you what it is. So just a straight bit of 45-pound on the end of that. And if you stuff up, if someone deems if you said something stupid or you've done something stupid or you leave something behind or your hat blows off your head three times in, in an hour in the boat, you <laughs> up, you have to use the <laughs> up rod. <laughs> so, the old rod's still out there and it's held together with a mangrove stick wrapped up with 100 mile an hour tape. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the one bush that's in the reel sort of half works now, so the boys actually bought a new rod this year. How long do you get relegated to the <laughs> rod? Well, it depends on your mates about how big the <laughs> was. Yeah. So sometimes, you, normally the, the rules are you have to catch one fish on it before you're allowed to put it down again. Roger. So it does catch fish and, and it, fish were caught on it? It does. It always catches fish and sometimes the guys actually hope they hook something big so they can break it <laughs> and not have to use it again. Yeah, dish out another 18 bucks the next for the next trip to the Tiwis. Mate, 100 mile an hour tape and super glue, we get it, always get it going again. See, it doesn't take much, fishers. You don't need to be a millionaire to get into wreck fishing in the Territory. 18 bucks. 18 bucks. The record used to stand at a 73 centimetre barrel on the <laughs> up rod. Yeah. Uh, this year we broke the record. Uh, Rob got a 79 centimetre barrel. So that, we now have a record of 79 centimetres on, on, the, on the fur rod. So good. So good. And isn't that proof uh, of just how good the fishing is at the Tiwis at the moment? Lovely to hear it, was her, and nice to talk to you again. Too easy, guys. It's nice to hear from you. So I'll catch you again later. Couple of comps coming up, Andy. Corroboree Park Challenge, October the 11th to 13th. So 
if you're interested in registering. And the Blue Water Classic started today as well, Tim. Um, that's the one where you can use live or dead baits or lures. Yep. And there's a list of 15 species included. And that, that includes uh, mahi-mahi and sailfish. You can go out to the Vernons, you can go up to the Tiwis, you can go down to the Perrins. You really, really pick. It's a really broad area of operation. Great competition. And good Billy numbers too. Again, over the weekend, Josh Monday, 25 plus, at 19 and 10 on sales. Yeah, Incredible. It just keeps going, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. 3-2-2 two, two on Blacks. This was Saturday, southwest of the nose. Uh, Reese Shearer, 2-1-1. One, and one. Then the next day, it must have been 4-2-1. and one. Tim Roberts, 7-4-3 and three on sales. A 4-1-1 one, and one on Marlin. Kel Payne, 10-8-6. and six. Far out. It just goes on and on. Doesn't it? And if you're heading out to um, Dundee, some really good news there. That the... Clearing of the sand at the ramp is finally underway. Yeah, finally. There was some yeah. Facebook footage earlier in the week of someone stuck and then and then pulled out. And yeah. a few days later, obviously, this, this short-term work started. But there's a 12-month maintenance contract for the ramp. That's going to be released later this month with the contract likely to start early next year. So, on, so, behalf, on behalf of the church to Dipple or whoever's putting it out, why yeah. is it taking so long? Yeah, what is the problem here? Seriously. With, a, with, a, with an ongoing contract. How many times have we spoken about this on yeah, the show? And that there'll be an ongoing contract coming up. There'll be an ongoing contract coming up. Meanwhile, it's an ad hoc contract that never seems to address the problem before it happens. Mm. It's always once people start getting bogged badly. I know. I mean, we know you've got to wait for the lowest tide to do it. Yep. But that doesn't. I, I, I don't get. But that comes along regularly. It's yeah, every few weeks. Yeah. I, I don't get how that that equates to it silting up as often as it does. No. So there's obviously an issue there. There's also a 12-month study kicked off earlier in Feb this year, the Dundee Rock Groin Consultancy, and that was to look at potential solutions for this ramp. That'd be good. Yes, it would. It's going to cost solution. a lot of money. Wonderful. <laughs> so a solution. What, a, what about an actual solution? <laughs> People, um, AFAN, want you to report, if, if you see that build up of sand, uh, pass it on either to uh, NT Infrastructure Planning and Logistics or to AFAN, and they'll pass it on. Meanwhile, at Diner Beach Boat Ramp, Travis sent in uh, this week on a dropping tide on Wednesday, Arvo. Well, put, I put this photo on, on uh, Facebook. He's come in to the ramp, having caught a couple of barra in the harbour, by the way. On the right at Diner Beach, there's a yellow boat sitting on the bottom. Mm. A, a boat in the middle of one of the lanes with a flat battery. Behind it, another boat in that lane, uh, just in the water, uh, with sea steering. And on the left, on the left lane, a car and its trailer stuck fast in the mud, had to get towed out. Oh. Meanwhile, on the other side of the pontoon, all the yachties' tenders are tied up, some of which are padlocked there permanently. Ah, oh, it's not a mooring. Yeah. That's, this, it's no this, wonder people get frustrated. That annoys me too, Tim. That is, that's not a mooring. There's not much you can do about mechanical failures. They happen, hmm. no matter how much preparation you do. But coming into a boat ramp that's as good as that ramp, with all, that pontoon and everything, on a low tide like that to see all these people stuck and not even be able to retrieve your boat must have been pretty frustrating. George Musa, good luck with the, the hunt, the MDF hunt, was a smith and as always, Warren DeWith, back from the black. And thanks to Dan from Palmerston, to the chief red tagger for tolerating beard aboard the tagging vessel. Until next week, get a million dollar mullet up ya! Yeah.